Welcome to New City Sermon Podcast. Join us as we open God's Word to be empowered and challenged today. We're continuing our series today, King Jesus Above All, a series about politics and culture in this moment. And uh, if you want a Bible, you can raise your hand and we'll bring one to you. We're going to be in Psalm 72. Uh, But we have a guest speaker today, and I just want to give you a little background about who's speaking for us. Um, You know, many of you are at this church specifically because we believe that that Jesus is about a diverse family in his church. And that's not our idea. That's God's idea. Uh, But we say if it's God's idea, then we don't have an option. We have to be around people who are not like me. And we have to bridge bridges because that's what the gospel does. It's uh, it's black, Hispanic, white. It's rich, poor. Everyone comes together as this new family of God. And that comes from Jesus. That comes from the Bible. That comes from God. At the same time, one of the reasons that our church is here is because some people have really pioneered in that type of church for decades before us. Uh, about 50 years ago, in the late 60s, Randy and Joan Neighbors Uh, began a church in inner city Chattanooga, and you can see some pictures up there from the late 60s, early 70s. Randy is under the New City Fellowship sign, and they really labored to be a diverse community in inner city Chattanooga, a place where black and white could come together and be the church together. And we are here today in many ways because of the Lord's faithfulness through them over the past 50 years. Um, You can clap. Yeah. We're part of several networks of churches, but the name of our church comes from being part of the New City Fellowship uh, Network. And not only is there a New City Fellowship in Chattanooga and St. Louis and Atlantic City and Hollywood and Hallandale, there's also New City Fellowship churches in Kenya and Congo, and you'll hear uh, a pastor in a couple weeks from Togo, West Africa, who's part of our network. And so I I just want you, even as I introduce our speaker, to understand that in many ways, uh, this is like our grandfather who's going to come and speak for us today. And uh, and so would you honor him as he comes forward, Pastor Randy Neighbors? I'm going to ask him to come on up. He has uh, been a mentor to me. Him and Joan have been a mentor to my wife and I. And I'm so thankful for them. I'm going to pray for them, and then I'm going to just turn it over to him. I'm really excited that he's preaching today uh, because of just the life that he and Joan have lived. Randy served in the military. Uh, He's from Newark, New Jersey. He spent most of his ministry life laboring uh, in inner-city neighborhoods for the gospel. And so I'm excited that he gets to speak particularly about this topic that we have today. So let's all pray, and then we'll turn it over to him. Lord Jesus, thank you for this blessed man and his wife. Thank you for uh, that we get to stand on their shoulders in many ways. And we pray that you would give him the wisdom and the passion and the insight as he speaks to us this morning. And that we'd be be encouraged by who you are, Jesus, and what you're committed to. We thank you that we get to be part of your kingdom. And all God's people said, amen. Let's welcome him one more time. Good morning. Oh, it's good to be in Florida. 
in January. Hallelujah. <laughs> um, my wife and my daughter and one of my grandsons is are in the back. Would you all stand up if you could and so people could see who you are? There you go. Uh, my wife, my daughter has a real love for uh, South Florida. We, one year, our church in Chattanooga gave us a sabbatical, uh, 99 to 2000 in, in that area. And uh, so Curran, that was her first experience down here in South Florida. So ever since then, she, she thinks you guys are great. And uh, she was obviously too young to know uh, at that time. But uh, we always love coming back. And uh, that's when we met Steve Lance, who, who's in the back. Good to see you guys here. Praise the Lord. This is uh, Dr. King's weekend, the celebration of his birth, uh, which was actually on the 15th of January. And uh, it, it fits in well in, in terms of what we're preaching about, in terms of uh, politics and of justice and all those kind of things. Please be praying for me as I speak that, uh, you know, I may say some things that uh, uh, politically make some of you angry. And uh, if that is the case, praise the Lord. I'm happy about that. <laughs> mm. uh, but I, what my, my desire is to be faithful to the Word of God. And uh, so if I say anything that's out of accord with the Word, then you have a reason to be upset. If I say it and it's according to the Word and you're upset, good. And uh, hopefully the Holy Spirit will bring conviction to you. And today we're talking about kings and kingdoms. And the subtitle might be, Pray for the Prez. Okay? So everybody say that. Pray for the Prez. Some of you didn't, didn't want to say that, did you? Yeah. I want to pray against the Prez. Or I'm a, you know, whatever. So some of you here may be sitting here, might be Trump lovers. And some of you may be Trump haters. Uh, I don't know, some of you may be fervent Democrats, fervent Republicans, uh, but we are here in America where we have a democracy. We don't always get what we want uh, in, in terms of our leadership, but we praise God that God has given us a country to be in and uh, given us, uh, thankfully, peace. We are, you know, I, I praise the Lord for that. Having been to war, uh, I'm glad that... Uh, we don't have tanks in the streets and uh, soldiers with machine guns guarding on every corner. Uh, so in so many ways, we are blessed. Uh, but we are not a united country in many ways. I guess you figured that out. You might have noticed that. And so I got three points today, um, and we're going to go through it. Our text is Psalm 72. So if you have your Bible, let's go to that. And uh, I'm going to read. Uh, I don't know which version are, are we... It's up there, really good. Now, I'm going to read what I have on my Bible phone, which is an ESV. And this might be a little different, okay? And it says this, Psalm, the 72nd Psalm. Give the king your justice, O God, and your righteousness to the royal son. May he judge your people with righteousness and your poor with justice. Let the mountains bear prosperity for the people and the hills in righteousness. May he defend the cause of the poor of the people. Give deliverance to the children of the needy and crush the oppressor. 
May they fear you while the sun endures and as long as the moon throughout all generations. May he be like rain that falls on the mown grass, like showers that water the earth. In his days, may the righteous flourish and peace abound till the moon be no more. May he have dominion from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. May desert tribes bow down before him and his enemies lick the dust. May the kings of Tarshish and of the coastlands render him tribute. May the kings of Sheba and Seba bring gifts. May all kings fall down before him. All nations serve him. For he delivers the needy when he calls. The poor, him who has no helper. He has pity on the weak and the needy. And saves the lives of the needy. From oppression and violence he redeems their life. And precious is their blood in his sight. Long may he live. May gold of Sheba be given to him. May prayer be made for him continually. And blessings invoked for him all the day. May there be abundance of grain in the land. On the tops of the mountains may it wave. May its fruit be like Lebanon. And May people blossom in the cities like the grass of the field. May his name endure forever. His fame continue as long as the sun. May people be blessed in him. All nations call him blessed. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who alone does wondrous things. Blessed be his glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. Prayers of David, son of Jesse, are ended. Now, this psalm uh, has a couple of different people in it. And you need to understand that as we go through it. We're going to talk more about this psalm really in my third point. So my first and second point are kind of setups for us really thinking through this text. But in this uh, psalm, you'll see that David is praying. Now, I'm just taking the psalm and face value for what it says right here. The prayers of David are ended. You notice that at the end, right? And his son, who became king, was Solomon. And so David is praying a, a, a prayer, a blessing on his own son, on Solomon. And he, and he wants God to do these kind of things for him. Now, you'll notice God is also mentioned. Uh, especially in the last couple of verses where this praise to God, this doxology is given. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who alone does wondrous things. So there's a, a distinction between the heavenly king and the earthly king. Now, have has anybody here ever heard the phrase, God bless America? And this, this psalm, in many ways, shows you what blessing means. If, if, if God were to bless America, these are the kind of things uh, any country would want. They would want a ruler who does good. And by the way, you, can't, you are allowed to say amen when you agree with something. When I say something good or worthy, please help me, okay? Don't become a run-of-the-mill Presbyterian church, please. All right. So, New City churches are a little bit more involved, okay? Uh, we, try, we try to train churches 
to do that. Now, we, we all would love a blessed country. And uh, many times uh, in, you, you will hear people talking about the great blessings of our nation. You know, it's a big place. Uh, we can grow enough food for our people. Hallelujah. Uh, we uh, are a nation who uh, we believe in freedom. We're, we're big on freedom. And uh, we like it. And uh, we, we, we don't, we don't want to be oppressed by other people. And there's, so there's so many great things about our nation. And, and, and so David is praying for that for Israel. And so um, remember, there is a difference between the nation of Israel and America. Some Christians get that messed up. They, think, they read the Bible and they think everything about Israel applies to the United States. Catch this, the United States isn't even mentioned in the Bible, okay? It's, it's just not there, all right? Uh, so, uh, but yet, the Bible says that uh, righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. So any nation, no matter which country it is in the world, if there's righteousness there, it exalts that nation. If there's sin there, it hurts that nation, okay? So my first point is this, the spiritual kingdom and the earthly kingdom, okay? You, and you need to understand this. They're, they're, they are distinct. They're two different things. There are some people who think that politically they can make worldly kingdoms into the heavenly kingdom. Some people actually think they can make what the country they live in, God's paradise on earth, through the point of a gun. And that is totally antithetical to the Bible. All right? The Bible never is asking God's people, hey, go over there, take power, and, and you can make that heaven. Instead, that usually translates into making it hell. Okay? So I want you to understand today, as the Bible teaches, there are really two distinct kingdoms. There are the kingdoms of this world, and then there's the kingdom of heaven. And if you remember uh, the trial of the Lord Jesus when he was before Pilate, and Pilate asked him, are you a king? And uh, Jesus uh, told him uh, in John chapter 18, you can see this there, there in John 18, 36 through 38, Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom was of this world, my servants would fight. It's for Pilate, okay? Because Jesus, according to the Bible, is God's only Son. He is the second person of the Trinity. He is God Himself. And if Jesus wanted an army of angels, they would have showed up. The Old Testament calls Him the Lord of hosts. Which, what that means, literally, is He is the Lord of armies. And they, can, they will respond to His call. So if Jesus wants to physically take over the earth, then nobody can stop Him. All right, there, there are there are not enough weapons. There are not there are not enough bombs. There are not enough planes. There are not enough troops to withhold the power of the Lord Jesus if He wants to physically take control. And someday He will. Hallelujah. But please understand, His kingdom, the kingdom of Jesus Christ, is not the kingdom of this world. That's not what He's about. It's not what we're about. We, His people, we, His followers, are not trying to take power in the world. 
oh, oh, oh we're going to mess with it. You'll hear, you'll hear about that as we go along. God's people will mess with the kingdoms of this world. Absolutely. That's God's call on us. But we are not about simply achieving political power or military power over the world. We are a completely different kind of kingdom. One reason for that is... Ooh, i got to try that again. That was cool. Uh, it tells us in Romans chapter 14 that the kingdom of God is not meat nor drink, that is physical, tangible things, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. See, it's a spiritual kingdom. And, and, and we, we recognize a spiritual kingdom when those things are present. Is there righteousness? Is there peace? Is there joy in the Holy Spirit? Not self-righteousness. Not arrogance. Not condemnation of other people. Uh, not manipulation. Not, not the power of wealth or the power of politics, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. In other words, the kingdom is a reflection of the king. The kingdom reflects the personality of the king. You, you can kind of tell the kind of kingdom you're in by the person who heads it up. If the person who is the, in charge if he's a king or a president or whatever he might be, is he a cruel, evil dictator? Is he a murderer? Is he treacherous? Is he evil? Or is he kind? Is he loving? Is he merciful? Is he healing? See, our king has nothing to be ashamed of. Glory! Y'all ain't amen enough. I don't know what. Maybe you don't like those things. I don't know. So. so I want you to understand, we are in a kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. A king has, has a kingdom. And if you're in Christ, you're in his kingdom, and you share his values. And that's what makes us distinct. And that's why Jesus could say that we were the salt of the earth and the light of the world in the midst of darkness. Okay. Now, here's a question. How do you get in that kingdom? Jesus is the king. He has a kingdom. How do you get in? What's the password? You know, what are the dues? Where do you sign up? And basically, when we talk about the kingdom of God, Jesus told Nicodemus, you know, you can't even see the kingdom of God until you're born again. You can't enter the kingdom of God unless you're Born again. And Nicodemus said, that's crazy talk. He said, how can a man enter his mother's womb when he's grown? I mean, that's a great biological question. Okay? He said, that, that, what you're saying, Jesus, sounds nuts. And Jesus says, look, this is spiritual talk. You know, what, what's of the world is of the world, but what spirit is spirit? And he said, you know, the, it's like the wind. You, you, you can hear it, you can feel it, but you don't even know where it comes from. So is everyone who's born of the Spirit. So here's what Jesus is saying. You cannot become a Christian unless the Holy Spirit makes it happen. Now you may have come here to church and you may have heard people, uh, the preachers say to you, you need to be saved, 
You need to ask Jesus to come into your life so that you can be forgiven of your sins. Come to Christ. And I would say the same thing to you, but at the same time, you know, I'd hit you in the left cheek, and then I'm going to hit you in the right cheek. Come to Christ, but you can't. Unless the Holy Ghost makes it happen. Because you see, becoming a Christian really is a flat-out spiritual miracle. You know, you, you can struggle with God. You can say, but I'm searching for God. I want God. And you'll never get to Him unless the Holy Spirit finally opens your eyes to believe. You know, there, some of you may be struggling and say, I would believe if I could see it, if it made sense. And, and as, as long as you keep trying to reason your way to God, it's not going to happen. Now, is the, is the faith reasonable? Sure it is. You know, you'll find that out later when you get saved. But in the meantime, the only way you come to God is through a miracle of what we call God's grace. And when God's grace hits you by the power of the Holy Spirit, it, it may be happening even today, right now, as the Spirit of God convinces you, you need forgiveness. You need mercy in your life. You need the blood of Christ to wash your conscience and your heart and your past clean from shame and guilt. You need the hope of eternal life. You won't get it until the Holy Spirit does His work of mercy to you. Opens your eyes and go, oh, when Christ died on the cross, it was for me. When he rose again from the dead, it was for me. He loves me. And, and, you know, all the other issues fade away at that point, and it becomes extremely personal between you and God. And you, the Bible says at that moment of faith, when you believe, you go from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. You go from death into life. That is a miracle of God's mercy. And the cool thing is there's no distinction. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if you're male or female. It doesn't matter uh, what your ethnicity. It doesn't matter your education. There is no distinction. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, His Son. We hope you're inspired by God's Word. What have you learned so far? As you listen, pray about applying it to your life. Let's continue in God's Word. So, if, you, if the miracle hadn't happened to you yet, I would encourage you, cry out for mercy. Cry out for Him. Say, Lord, let it happen to me. And, and, and we're not asking you, and the Bible doesn't ask you to understand everything. You don't have to understand everything. You just need to love Jesus. And let him, let him bring you in. Hallelujah. Now, the kingdom of God, two kingdoms, right? Kingdom of heaven, kingdom of this world, kingdom of God, kingdom of darkness. How does it operate in this physical world? Well, Jesus said it's like yeast. It's like, well, he used the word leaven. You might have heard that. You know, and some of you, if you've ever made bread, you know, we used to, I remember, uh, we used to get these little packets of Fleischmann's yeast or something, and, and uh, you know, it was sort of a miracle. You know, you put it in bread and they, in a bowl, and, I mean, you put it in flour, and they put a blanket over, I mean, a towel over it, and sits it up there in the corner, and you come back later, and it's just spilling out all over, and you go, what happened? And, and that's the yeast 
you know, it, it, it's, it's biochemically at work, you know, and, it, and it's just making, it's filling us up with gas and, and, and air and, the, you know, and, it, and man, you put, and it smells great when it bakes, right? And even better when you put butter on it. Oh, glory! Okay, so that's like a miracle. That's what the kingdom of God is like in the world. What I, what, remember I told you about the values, righteousness, peace, and joy? When the values of the kingdom come into the world, they're infectious. It's, you're being infected with goodness. You're being infected with love. You're being, you're being affected with being a champion of the poor and feeding the hungry. I mean, all of a sudden, great, wonderful things begin to happen to you. Why? Because here, here's, here's the whole concept so you understand it. You, you can't save yourself. You need God's grace to save you. And you can't be good yourself. You need God's grace to help you. And it's God's grace in us that spreads us into the world and changes the values of the world. You know, uh, Martin Luther King said that he would like to be considered to be a drum major for justice. And today I'm asking you to be part of the drum line. That we would join him as we march towards justice. But that happens as the Holy Spirit works in our lives. Now you might say, hey, I never thought of Christianity as something associated with justice. I always thought it was, you know, my ticket to heaven and out of hell. You know, or I thought it was a, a religious commitment now where we keep the Ten Commandments and we all try to live straight. Please understand this. To follow Jesus Christ is, is not a life of rules. It's a life of freedom to finally be beautiful. Because that's what holiness is. Holiness is beauty. Holiness is not rigidity. Holiness is not rule-keeping. Holiness is not condemning other people. Holiness is living a life like you're Jesus. Which means you love broken and beat up people. It means you stand for those who can't stand up for themselves. It changes everything. So my second point is this. Earthly kingdoms. Just want to talk about that for a few seconds. You know, uh, Winston Churchill said, democracy is the worst form of government, except it's better than all the others. And we live in a democracy. And democracies are a mess. There are a lot of different kinds of governments. You know, we could have a monarchy. We did it one time. None of us here remember that, I don't think. But at one time... We lived under King George of England, and we had a revolution, and we, we uh, became free, and we had a democracy. But, you know, we, 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 we don't like tyranny. We don't like dictators, and we fought wars against them, okay? We, we revel in the idea of being a democracy. But Winston Churchill had a point. Democracies are kind of a mess, and that, you know, even Plato said that. The great philosopher, he, he didn't like democracy. And one reason is because uh, when you give people all the right to vote, sometimes they vote for the wrong things. And he was really mad at them because they killed his friend Socrates. They made him take poison by a democratic vote. And it was really unjust. 
Now, the United States, we are a constitutional democracy. We are not just every man has a vote. We, we actually have representatives. We are called a republic. And so you give your vote away. And we might be really proud of our democracy, but as you can tell, even in our present political climate, people aren't always happy with it. Because sometimes our side gets outvoted. Now, what's interesting is in the United States, left and right often care about justice. But they see it from different points of view. Right now, Republicans and folks on the right wing, they're, they're really happy about President Trump because they think he is standing up for the rights of unborn children. They, they are happy he's appointing conservative judges because they want to overturn Roe versus Wade. And to them, that is one of the greatest forms of injustice the world has ever known, that unborn babies would be slaughtered like they have been in the United States in Roe versus Wade. Millions and millions and millions of children killed. And so they're happy with President Trump. They're, 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 they think it's just uh, that uh, we would have freedom of religion so that somebody's, uh, say, sexual lifestyle would not force us to support it. And so they're pleased with President Trump that he would defend the freedom of religion. I was just talking to a sort of a radical Republican the other day, and, and he was just really exalting about these kind of things. Then you talk to a Democrat. And they say, this man's a racist. This man supports white supremacists. This, this man has equivocated between, you know, if you remember the Charlotte rally, and he said there are good people on both sides. And, and this man's against uh, Hispanics, and he's against migrants who come to this, this country. And, and, you know, and President Trump has basically eliminated uh, the the uh, quota for refugees. I'm not talking about immigrants here. I'm talking about refugees. Refugees are people who have been thoroughly vetted. They have sat in refugee camps for years. They have no place to go. And America used to be that great beacon of hope where thousands and thousands of them have come home. Some of you here may even be in that situation. And uh, having lived in Africa as a missionary and met many people who have been refugees. I think Macklin Basse has even been in that category at one time. And you come here and you come to freedom. Hallelujah. So both sides will tell you that they are champions of justice. And yet we seem so totally opposed to each other. Wow. So, you know, there are good kinds of governments and bad kinds of governments. And even if you're in a good government, bad things can happen. And you can be in a bad government, and you catch this, you could live under communism, you could live under dictatorship, and you could still live faithfully for Jesus Christ and bring parts of the values of his kingdom into that society. How do I know that? It's happening all over the world. You could live in a Muslim country and still live for Jesus Christ and see wonderful things happen. You might do it at the risk of your life, you might be in China with a communist government, and yet people are getting saved by the thousands. I hear that there's a revival in Iran today. Thousands of people are getting saved. Hallelujah! I personally wouldn't want to live under those governments. It doesn't hold God back. 
doesn't hold God back. All right? The values of the heavenly kingdom must permeate wherever you are, wherever you live, they must permeate the kingdoms of this world. Now, my third point, which is Psalm 72. I want you to know this in Revelation chapter 11, it says this. Kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our God and of His Christ. You ever sung the Hallelujah Chorus? And He shall reign forever and ever. It's inevitable. It doesn't matter how unhappy you are with the government. The kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of His Son. It's inevitable. When the spiritual kingdom finally takes over the world, when Jesus returns. In the meantime, and that, that, that's His business, right? It's His business to conquer the world physically, not ours. We conquer it spiritually by faith. We're the drum majors. We're the drum line for justice. We have to live that. And that's why David prays for Solomon. He said, you know, son, you're going to be a king. This is, this is, these are the spiritual attributes of a godly king. This is what brings blessing to the whole nation. And so when I said the subtitle of my sermon today is Pray for the Prez, and, and it tells us that in Timothy, it says, uh, you know, I want prayers to be made for kings and for all in authority over us. This is a Christian responsibility. He said, but I don't like President Trump. It doesn't say, except for President Trump. It says, pray for all those in authority. Okay, God, but not this, you know, just let's wait till my candidate gets elected. When I was a pastor, I tried to make it a part of our morning Sunday worship that as I prayed, I would pray for the president and I would pray for those in authority over us. Even when I personally really didn't like that president. In fact, you should probably pray even more when you don't like the president. So what do we pray for? Let's just look at this, this psalm uh, for a quick couple of minutes. All right? The very first uh, sentence is, Endow the king with your justice. Clothe him with it. Lord, who, you know, we don't have a king. We have a president. He's our fault. That's the problem in a democracy. Whoever's a leader is our fault. Because we are a government of the people and by the people and for the people. We have a vote. So you must vote. And, and we are stuck with it, you know, for four years until we can try to make another decision. All right? But here is the prayer. Pray for the prayers. Endow the president with your justice. Wow. Well, suppose he's not even a Christian. Suppose he's an unbeliever. Suppose he's a bad guy. Endow the king. With your justice. But suppose he doesn't want your justice. Endow the king. And here's the cool thing about praying for people. You never ask their permission. Your pastors might be praying for you to become a Christian. But I don't want to be. So. He's asking that God's will overcome your will. 
And we ought to pray that God's will would overcome the president's will. Endow the president with your justice and your righteousness. Give it to him. Oh, wouldn't it be wonderful if America always had a president who was filled with the righteousness of God? It says here in verse 2, May he judge your people with righteousness and your poor with justice. Now, 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 please understand this as a Christian. You and I have no escape from the reality that God loves the poor. And you say, but my political party isn't, we're interested in the middle class or the rich. I'm sorry. If you're a Christian, if you believe the Bible, if you believe the God of the Bible, you must care about the poor. Because God does. Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. That's why new city churches exist. Now, we might have lots of middle class. We even have millionaires come to new city churches. But the church is not about millionaires. The church is about the poor. We, we, we don't apologize for that. We don't run away from that. And we'll tell you flat out, poor people are not convenient. I grew up in the housing projects of Newark, New Jersey, abandoned by my father. I know what it's like uh, to, to, to need food in the house and have none. But I also know this, that God loved me, and he brought the gospel to my family, and our family was discipled out of poverty. I don't like being poor, but God wants me to love the poor. Verse 4, may he defend the cause of the poor of the people. You know, one of the things that you ought to bear in mind in your vote and for your representatives, is this representative, is this president defending the cause of the poor? That is a valid political concern you ought to have as a Christian. You don't have a right to abandon them because Everybody else already has. And they need a champion. And if you're going to be a political leader, and may God grant that some of you rise up and become politicians. Lord help us. But you can be a godly politician. And may God help you to defend the cause of the poor. Give deliverance to the children of the needy. And crush the oppressor. Pray for the prayers. Verse 12. This is what a godly ruler does. This is what a godly politician does. For he delivers the needy when he calls. The poor and him who has no helper. He has pity on the weak and needy. And saves their lives of the needy. From oppression and violence he redeems their life. And precious is their blood in his sight. That's all. You know, if the kingdoms of, of the kingdom of heaven and the values of the kingdom of heaven permeate the kingdom of this world, man, good things happen. Racism is confronted. The oppressor is crushed. The hungry are fed. The homeless are clothed. 
broken, amended, and healed. That's what Jesus does. You, you might say, well, I, I don't like the, the political direction of your sermon. It's just in the book. If this is David's prayer for Solomon, now, now by the way, we, we, there's no such thing as a, a human ruler who is perfect. Everyone, every one of us has faults. The people we elect have faults. That's why it's so important to pray. President Trump wakes up every morning. We need to ask that God, from that moment his eyes open, God would take over and help him be right. And whoever else gets elected, we're going to have to pray. And it, it may be your worst nightmare. Pray for the prayers and all who are in authority over us that the, the values of the kingdom would conquer them. All the decisions they make all the things they say, that they might, they might be looking at the teleprompter, being amazed with coming out of their mouth because it's giving glory to God and they're trying to do right. Oh, let it happen, Lord. Let it happen. Let us pray. Lord God, please forgive us for our lack of faith to believe that you could actually affect human rulers Forgive us for all of our anger, our complaining, our bitterness, our despair. When you have instructed us to pray. But Lord, you are not a man. There is nothing that holds you back. You are the Lord of heaven and earth. You can turn the heart of a king like you change the course of a river. Lord, please let our government do right. Would you please bring compassion and mercy and pity for the suffering into the hearts of those who rule us? And would you help those of us, Lord, who confess your name and love you to be faithful to your word, to stand for what is right and what is righteousness? And Lord, do this for your glory. Do it also, Lord, because the poor are desperate and need you. We ask it in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Let's thank Randy. After the sermon, we'd like to give you an opportunity to respond. Our prayer team is going to be here in the front and in the back. And I want to invite you uh, to engage in prayer, particularly for three things. One, if, if you've lived your life and, and you've never been in poverty and you've never had to wrestle with being poor and you feel like you have disregarded the poor, maybe this is a moment where you go and say, I want to live in line with the values of the kingdom of God. And maybe you go and say, I want to change the direction of my life and I need prayer that I would be someone who cares for the poor and loves the poor. So maybe that's, maybe that's you and maybe you need prayer from our prayer team with that. Secondly, maybe you're someone who goes, I really struggle with the current president, but if I'm a Christian, I need to pray for the prez. And maybe you want to go and ask for prayer that you would be prayerful for the president, even if you don't like him. 
Prayer for the poor, prayer for the press, but then thirdly this, and most important, maybe as you've heard Randy talk about the Holy Spirit working inside of hearts and turning rebels into people who love Jesus Christ, maybe you realize that the Spirit is working inside of you even right now. And you say, I hear about that kingdom. I'm not part of it, but I want to be in that kingdom. I want to be forgiven of my sins. I want to be reconciled with God. I want to be standing in God's grace and not have my sins counted against me. If that's you, and you know that the Spirit's working in you, and you feel this thing going on inside of you, you see it clearly, and you say, Jesus is my only hope, then please run to the prayer team. They would love to pray with you that you would receive Jesus Christ and that you would begin to follow him today. So we're going to stand and sing right now, and if you need prayer, our prayer team will be in the front and in the back. They would love to pray for you, but let's worship and ask for the Lord to revive our hearts. Thank you for listening to New City Sermon Podcast. For more information, check us out at www.newcityhh.com. We'll see you next week.